Chapter Nineteen of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Nineteen, News. November had come. It was early in the month still, yet as often happens, the season was thoroughly defined already later perhaps some sweet relics or reminders of october would come in or days of the soberer charm which october's successor often brings but just now a gray sky and a brown earth and a wind with no tenderness in it banished all thought of such pleasant times the day was dark and gloomy so the fire which burned bright in the kitchen of mrs armandale's house showed particularly bright and its warm reflections were exceedingly welcome both to the eye and to the mind it was a wood fire in an open chimney for mrs armandale would sit by no other and i called the place the kitchen for really a large portion of the work of the kitchen was done there however there was a stove in the adjoining room which accommodated most of the boilers and kettles in use while the room itself was used for all the mussy work nevertheless it was only upon occasion that fire was kindled in that outer room economy in fuel forbidding that two fires should be all the while kept going in the sitting-room kitchen then this november afternoon the whole family were assembled the place was as nice as a pin and as neat as if no work were ever done there all the work of the day indeed was over and even miss charity had come to sit down with the rest knitting in hand they had changed their dresses and put off their big aprons and looked unexceptionally nice and proper only it is needless to say with no attempt at fashionable appearance their gowns were calico collars and cuffs of plain linen and the white aprons they all wore were not fine nor ornamented only the old lady who did no housework any longer was dressed in a stuff gown and wore an apron of black silk charity as i said was knitting so was her grandmother madge was making more linen collars lois sat by her grandmother's chair for the minute doing nothing what do you expect to do for a bonnet lois charity broke the silence or i either broke in madge or you yourself charity we are all in the same box i wish our hats were said the elder sister i had not much thought about it lois answered i suppose if necessary i shall wear my straw then you'll have nothing to wear in the summer it's robbing peter to pay paul well said lois smiling if paul's turn comes first i cannot look so long ahead as next summer it'll be here before you can turn around said charity whose knitting needles flew without her having any occasion to watch them and then straw is cold in the winter i can tie a comforter over my ears that would look poverty-stricken i suppose said madge slowly that is what we are it looks like it just now 
The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, Mrs. Armandale said. Yes, mother, said Charity, but our cow died because she was tethered carelessly, and our hay failed because there was no rain, Madge added, and our apples gave out because they killed themselves with bearing last year. You forget, child, it is the Lord that giveth rain both the former and the latter in his season but he didn't give it mother that's what i'm talking about neither the former nor the latter though what that means i'm sure i don't know we have it all year round most years then be contented if a year comes when he does not send it grandmother it'll do for you to talk but what are we girls going to do without bonnets? Do without, said Lois archly, with a gleam of her eye and the arch of her pretty brow, which used now and then to bewitch poor Tom Caruthles. We have hardly apples to make sauce of, Charity went on. If it had been a good year, we could have gotten our bonnets with our apples nicely. Now I don't see where they are to come from. Don't wish for what the Lord don't send, child, said Mrs. Armandale. Oh, mother, that's a good deal to ask, cried Charity. It is very well for you, sitting in your armchair all the year round, but we have to put our heads out. And for one, I'd rather have something on them. Lois, haven't you got anything to do that you sit there with your hands in your lap? I'm going to the post office, said Lois, rising. The train's in. I heard the whistle. The village street lay very empty, this brown November day, and so, to Lois's fancy, lay the prospect of the winter, even so brown and lightless, with a chill nip in the air that dampened rather than encouraged energy. She was young and cheery-tempered, but perhaps there was a shimmer yet in her memory of the colors of the Isles of Shoals at any rate the village street seemed dull to her and the day forbidding she walked fast to stir her spirits the country around shampuisha is flat never a hill or lofty object of any kind rose upon her horizon to suggest wider outlooks and higher standpoints than her present footing gave her the best she could see was a glimpse of the distant connecticut a little light blue thread far off, and I cannot tell why, what she thought of when she saw it was Tom Caruthles. I suppose Tom was associated in her mind with any wider horizon than Shampooishaw Street afforded. Anyhow, Mr. Caruthles' handsome face came before her, and a little, a very little breath of regret escaped her because it was a face that she would see no more. Yet why should she wish to see it, she asked herself. Mr. Crothels could be nothing to her. He never could be anything to her, for he knew not and cared not to know either the joys or the obligations of religion, in which Lois's whole life was bound up. However, though he could not be anything to her, Lois had a woman's indistinctive perspective that she herself was or had been something to him and that is an experience a simple girl does not easily forget she had a kindness for him and she was pretty sure 
that he had more than a little kindness for her, or would have had if his sister had let him alone. Lois went back to her Appledore experiences, revolving and studying them, and understanding them a little better now, she thought, than at the time. At the time, she had not understood them at all. It was just as well, she said to herself. She could never have married him. But why did his friends not want him to marry her? She was in the depths of this problem when she arrived at the post office. The post office was in the further end of the grocery store, or rather a store of varieties, such as country villages find convenient. From behind a little lattice, the grocer's boy handed her a letter, with the remark that she was in luck today. Lois recognized Mrs. Wishart's hand, and half questioned the assertion. What was this? A new invitation? That cannot be, thought Lois. I was with her so long last winter, and now this summer again for weeks and weeks. And, anyhow, I could not go if she asked me. I could not even get a bonnet to go in, and I could not afford the money for the journey. She hoped it was not an invitation. It is hard to have the cup set to your lips, if you are not to drink it, any cup, and a visit to Mrs. Wishart was a very sweet cup to Lois. The letter filled her thoughts all the way home, and she took it to her own room at once, to have the pleasure or the pain mastered before she told of it to the rest of the family. But in a very few minutes, Lois came flying downstairs, with the light in her eye and a sudden color in her cheeks. "'Girls, I've got some news for you,' she burst in. Charity dropped her knitting in her lap. Madge, who was setting a table for tea, stood still with a plate in her hand. All eyes were set on Lois. "'Don't say! News never comes! We've got it today!' "'What? Who is the letter from?' said Charity. "'The letter is from Mrs. Wishart, but that does not tell you anything.' "'Oh, if it's from Mrs. Wishart!' I suppose the news only concerns you, said Madge, setting down her plate. Mistaken, cried Lois. It concerns us all, Madge. Don't go off. It is such a big piece of news that I do not know how to begin to give it to you. It seems as if every side of it was too big to take hold of it for a handle. Mother, listen, for it concerns you specially. I hear, child, and Mrs. Armandale looked interested and curious. It's delightful to have you all looking like that, said Lois, and to know it's not for nothing. You'll look more like that when I've told you, if ever I can begin. My dear, you are quite excited, said the old lady. Yes, grandmother, a little. It's so seldom that anything happens here. The days are very good when nothing happens, I think, said the old lady softly. And now something has really happened for once. Prick up your ears. Charity, ah, I see they are pricked up already, Lois went on merrily. Now listen, this letter is from Mrs. Wishart. She wants you again, cried Madge. Nothing of the sort, she asked. Why don't you read the letter? I will, but I want to tell you first. She says there is a certain friend of a friend of hers, a very nice person, a widowed lady, who would like to live in the country if she could find a good place, 
and mrs wishart wants to know if we would like to have her in our house to board cried madge lois nodded and watched their faces around her we never did that before said madge no the question is whether we would do it now take her to board repeated charity it would be a great bother what room would you give her rooms she wants two one for a sitting-room two we couldn't unless we gave her our best parlor and had none for ourselves that wouldn't do unless she would pay for it lois suggested how much would she pay does mrs wishart say guess girls she would pay twelve dollars a week charity almost jumped from her chair madge stood leaning with her hands upon the table and stared at her sister only the old grandmother went on quietly with her knitting the words were re-echoed by both sisters twelve dollars a week fifty dollars a month cried madge and clapped her hands we can have bonnets all around and the hay and the apples won't matter fifty dollars a month while lois it would be an awful bother said charity mrs wishart mrs wishart says not at least she says this lady this mrs barclay is a delightful person and we shall like her so much that we shall not mind the trouble besides i do not think it will be so much trouble and we do not use our parlor much i'll read you the letter now so she did and then followed an eager talk she is a city body of course do you suppose she'll be contented with our ways of going on charity queried what ways do you mean well will our table suit her we can make it suit her said madge just think with fifty dollars a month but we're not going to keep a cook charity went on i won't do that i can do all the work of the house but i can't do half of it and if i do the cooking i shall do it just as i always have done it and i can't go to fussing it'll be country ways she'll be treated to and the question is how she'll like them she can try said lois and then maybe she'll be somebody that'll take airs perhaps <laughs> said lois laughing but not likely what if she did charity that would be her affair it would be my affair to bear it said charity grimly daughters said mrs armandale gently suppose we have some tea the suggestion brought all to their bearings madge set the table briskly charity made the tea lois cut bread and made toast and presently talking and eating went on in the harmonious combination which is so agreeable if she comes said lois there must be curtains to the parlor windows i can make some of chintz that will look pretty and not cost much and there must be a cover for the table why must there the table is nice mahogany said charity it looks cold and bare so all tables in use have covers at mrs wishart's i don't see any sense in that what is the good of it looks pretty and comfortable that's nothing but a notion i don't believe in notions you'll tell me next our steel forks won't do well i do tell you that 
certainly they will not do to a person always accustomed to silver that's nothing but uppishness lois i can't stand of that sort of thing steel's just as good as silver only it don't cost so much that's all it don't taste as well you don't need to eat your fork no but you have to touch your lips to it how does that hurt you i want to know it hurts my taste said lois and it's so uncomfortable if mrs barclay comes i should certainly get some plated forks half a dozen would not cost much mother said charity speak to lois she's getting quite worldly i think set her right mother it is something i don't understand said the old lady gravely steel forks were good enough for anybody in the land when i was young i don't see for my part why they ain't just as good now lois wisely left this question unanswered but you think we ought to let this lady come mother don't you my dear said mrs armadale i think it's a providence and it won't worry you grandmother will it i hope not if she's agreeable she may do us good and if she's disagreeable we may do her good that's grandma all over exclaimed charity but if she's disagreeable i'll tell you what girls i'd rather scrub floors taint my vocation to do ugly folks good charity said mrs armandale it is your vocation it is what everybody is called to do it's what you've been trying to do to me all my life ain't it <laughs> said charity laughing but you've got to keep on mother it ain't done yet but i declare there ought to be somebody in a house who can be disagreeable by spells or the rest of the world'd grow rampant End of chapter 19